Samuel. We're going to look at a couple of different passages in 1 Samuel tonight. We're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter number 18. And uh, we're going to look at the first four verses together uh, as we get started. And we're going to be considering this thought tonight. The blessings of Christian friendship. If I wrote fellowship down when I sent it to you, I'm sorry. It's a friendship. So the blessings of Christian friendship. But fellowship and friendship are pretty close. Amen? Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 18, and for our study this evening, we're going to be looking at the relationship between David and Jonathan. I invite you, if you would, stand with me tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read the first four verses here together. The Bible says this, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would, not, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Father, I pray tonight as we take a few moments and we look at the blessings of Christian friendship, I pray that you would, Lord, just open our hearts to the truths and the things that we can learn from the friendship of these two men, uh, Jonathan and David, and, Lord, how we might apply these realities to our own lives and know the blessings of friendship and fellowship as you desire. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It has been said that a man is truly fortunate if he has more real friends than fingers in a lifetime. To step back and think about it, though, it truly is amazing to the level, the level to which the concept of friend and friendship has been cheapened. In our day and age, we are more connected than we have ever been. You think about Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and text messaging. and It should be when I was more disconnected than we have ever been too. But you know, when God created man, God created within man a desire that longs for connection, for community, for shared life. And praise God, he didn't just give us the desire, he also gave us the direction that we need to find that need be met in this lifetime. You know, church, the people in your life matter. The people in your life matter. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 reminds us this, that he that walketh with wise men shall be what, church? Wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The people in our lives matter. By the way, that, that is not just the people that we associate with in the neighborhood and in the office and at church. You know, we could broaden that out to the people that we allow influence. Uh, the people we bring into our homes through the antenna or through the cable or through the, through the prime or through the Netflix. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. The people in your life matter. The quality of connection you have in life matters. 
Proverbs 27 and verse number 17 reminds us this. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The quality of the connection you have in life matters. And tonight I want to talk about the blessings of Christian friendship. And I want to look at the life of David and Jonathan. And to see through them the importance of and the blessings from godly friendships. Let's look at 1 Samuel 18 again. And it came to pass that when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now let me say, uh, there is nothing untoward or inappropriate about this passage. This passage is simply the close friendship of two godly men. Amen? And Saul took him that day, speaking of David, and would let him go no more to no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and his bow and his, to his girdle. Let's talk about some blessings of Christian friendship tonight. Number one, let's explore the blessing of graciousness. The blessing of graciousness. What is grace? Grace is simply undeserved kindness. Undeserved kindness. As I look here at the interaction, the friendship between Jonathan and David, I see a great deal of graciousness, of undeserved kindness taking place between these two men. Let me point out first this evening the matter of respect. What we see here is Jonathan honoring David as his equal. When the man takes his robe off, remember, he is the prince. His robe signifies his position and his rank in his father's house and in the nation. And yet he takes that which signifies his rank and he gives them to this teenage boy. He takes his weapons, his sword, his bow, and his his belt By the way, he didn't just go to the armory and grab a sword and a bow and a belt. He took his sword, bow, and belt. And he gave them to David. Signifies not just a respect in rank, but a respect of a warrior as well. Now you recognize tonight, David was not Jonathan's equal from an earthly standpoint. They were different in significant ways. A couple of chapters before, David was a shepherd boy for a family in a relatively unknown city on the backside of Israel. He he was not somebody rich and famous. He, He did not have money. He did not have position. And he really even wasn't of age. He was a teenager. And yet, though they were different in significant ways in friendship, they were as one. Let me ask you, where else can you really go that you are received in this way. Aren't you glad that when, it, when in the eyes of God, there is no respect of persons with God? You know, we see it at several different times in the Bible. We see it in Romans chapter 2 and verse 11, the statement, there is no respect of persons with God. That with God, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or, or what nationality or ethnicity you come from. There is no respect of persons with God. And by the way, there ought to be no respect of persons among God's people. James chapter 2 points this out very clearly. He said, Brother, and have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, 
And ye have respect unto him that weareth the gay clothing, meaning the bright, the rich clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place. But you say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit under my footstool. He said, Are ye then not partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? In other words, James is very clear that just because somebody rolls in in a fine chariot wearing bling for the king, that uh, he, he ought not be given a position of honor and great respect because he's a man of means. We ought not treat people who seem poor or destitute or, or, or on the outs. with life. There, there ought be no respect of persons among God's people. No matter the financial uh, background, no matter the ethnicity, uh, no matter what, you fill in the blank. There ought be no respect of persons. Now, we're not always equal closeness with one another, but we always stop and we recognize the equal value that God has created each of us with. And by the way, when we stop and recognize the, the equal value that God has created us with and the equal blood that Jesus has saved us with, I'm going to tell you, it, it ought to motivate us to be gracious to one another, to treat one another with a great deal of respect. Amen. We see here the matter of respect between uh, Jonathan and David. Not only do we see the matter of respect, we also see the matter of resources. Isn't it beautiful? To see how Jonathan and David helped one another. You see Jonathan here bestow uh, tremendous gifts towards David. Later on you see David uh, in his reign uh, bestow tremendous grace upon Jonathan's descendants in Mephibosheth. You know biblical friendships recognize what? That relationships are made a blessing not by what you gain from the other person but by how you can give to them. Acts 20 and verse number 35, we see the words of Jesus at the end of that verse. It says, and the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we've been studying on Sunday nights the one another's. We've looked at love one another and prefer one another. And we've seen how these are not just sentiments of the heart. These are what? These are actions of the hand. In 1 John chapter 3, we've looked at these verses a couple of times. We see, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion in him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? He said, my little children, let us love not in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. James chapter 2, we looked at the beginning of that chapter earlier. Later on, uh, James started talking about what good does it do a man if you see they have need if, and you say, well, oh, well, I, well, I hope you're warmed and clothed and filled and then you send them on their way. What good does that do? And the answer is absolutely nothing. But we see in the matter of Christian friendships that there is a blessing of graciousness. An undeserved kindness that flows between the members of that friendship. In matters of respect, there's an undeserved kindness. In matter of resources, there, there is an undeserved kindness. In matters of readiness. You know what we're going to see? We're going to see these busy men made time for their friendship. You can watch it progress. You can read chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 20, really through chapter 23 and see the progression of these, the friendship of these men. Now, these men were busy men. David was a warrior. For a time period, we see in there, David's going to be running from his, for his life. By the way, if the most powerful man in the land was trying to kill me, I think I'd be a little busy. 
I think you'd understand if I didn't answer your phone call, right? And yet we see, though these men were busy beyond what we can imagine, these men made time for one another. You know, there's, going to be, there's a level of access and availability. By the way, levels of access and availability, they really do go a great, great ways to determine the depth of the relationship. Just think about that concept, access and availability. By the way, that's why some of us have shallow relationships with God. How much access has God granted us? Full. How much availability has God granted us? Full. Let me ask you, how much access have you granted him? How much availability have you granted him? Is it my 15 minutes in the morning and then, Lord, I'm going to live the rest of my life? Or is, does he have that same full access and full availability that he's given to you? You see, level of access and availability are going to determine the depth of your relationships. And I'm going to point out here, access and availability ought not be the same for everybody. My wife has a level of access and a level of availability that you do not. My wife could ask me questions like, honey, how much money is in the savings account? And I would tell her. If you asked, I probably would not. (laughs) My wife could ask me questions like, honey, how much do you weigh? And I would tell her. I might tell you that too. Still in the blue suit, though, so that's your hint. (laughs) My wife has a level of access and availability that you do not. By the way, also, if we have confidants and people that are very close and provide accountability for us, uh, not everybody gets the same access. By the way, boundaries are a good thing. Boundaries are a healthy thing. But the level of access and the level of availability you give to somebody will determine the depth of your relationship. I might have somebody in my life who helps to provide accountability, and that person might be able to look at me and say, hey, I know you don't want to spend too much time on the the, the devices. How much was your screen time last week? And if I've given them that access, I might tell them. If you walk up to me and ask me what my screen time was last week, I'll probably tell you in love to buzz off. but access and availability. By the way, you ought to have people in your life who with healthy boundaries, you allow access and availability. Some of us, we feel their strength in being walled off and being isolated and, and hardened. And people never get beyond the, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. But in reality, you're broken and you're burdened and you're hurting. By the way, there, there's, there, there are no crowns in heaven for living like that. There ought to be people in our lives. God has placed people around us. And there ought to be certain people in our lives who, as God brings them along, by God's grace, we let them in and they become channels of God's grace to us. Yes, making time for people and being available is a lot. But you know what? I praise God for the people that I know I could call any time, day or night, and I know they would be there for me. 
no matter where I was, no matter what I needed. You know what I'll never have to do? At least not at this point in my life. I won't have to post on Facebook. Repost if you're my true friend. Because I know who I can call. It's all undeserved. But I'm going to tell you, it's a blessing of Christian friendship. We see the blessing of graciousness, of undeserved kindness, the respect that exists, the resources that are available, the readiness that we can find. That's not all we see in the lives of these two men. Look over at 1 Samuel 19. Flip the page. 1 Samuel 19. Here as well, we'll read verses 1 through 4. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should, what's that next word? Kill David. So you can see things have radically changed in one chapter, right? My, what a difference a day brings. So uh, we went from David being the best thing ever in 1 Samuel 18 to now everybody needs to kill David in 1 Samuel 19. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighteth much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself into the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art. And and I will commune with my father of thee. And what I see, that will I tell thee. Look at verse 4. And Jonathan spake good of David... Unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good. So, what are the blessings of Christian friendship? Number one, we saw what? The blessing of graciousness, undeserved kindness. I want you to see, secondly, this evening, the blessing of genuineness. The blessing of genuineness. When you look at uh, Jonathan and you look at David in 1 Samuel 19, you know what you see? You see genuine friendship. No matter the circumstance. Jonathan and David were friends when all was good in chapter 18 after David had just killed Goliath. And Jonathan and David were friends as well when David was running for his life. By the way, you'll notice that what Jonathan spake to David, the sentiment that Jonathan spake to David in verse 2, and the sentiment that Jonathan spake to his father in verse 4, were the same. Jonathan was true no matter who he was speaking to. By the way, isn't that hard to find? Somebody who doesn't talk one way to you and another way behind your back. Jonathan spoke the same truth to both, friend, both crowds. By the way, there is no such thing as a fair weather friend. Proverbs 17, 17 reminds us that a friend loveth at all times. And I'll remind us, church, that this is even when people make mistakes. Your friends will let you down. But what do we do? Galatians 6, 1. 
Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to help restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. There was a genuineness to their friendship, no matter the circumstance. A genuineness of their friendship, no matter the circumstance and no matter the cost. By the way, in chapter 19, Saul lost his cool. And if you continue reading, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find Jonathan almost lost his head. That just like Saul was taking shots at David, Saul at one point even took a shot at Jonathan. You know, it reminds us sometimes that being a genuine friend will cost you. Sometimes it means you're going to be walking in when everybody's walking out. Sometimes it means you're going to be lifting down to pick somebody up as everybody else is continuing to throw stones or punches to keep them down. No matter the circumstance or no matter the cost. By the way, let me put a caveat here. Just like in the first one, I put boundaries are good and healthy. Amen. Not everybody gets equal access. Not everybody gets equal availability. I'll point this out here. That just because we say you need to be a genuine friend and be there no matter the circumstance and no matter the cost. This does not mean, though, that we back people when they do things that are unrighteous or unwise. It simply means that you will be a friend by supporting what is true all the time. By the way, even when they don't want to hear it. I love the example of Paul. Paul talking to the church of Galatia about those who'd come in and perverted the gospel. And Paul deals very directly with these people. And, and they're not too happy with him. And at one point, Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, he says, look, he said, am I, am, am I become your enemy? It might be verse 16. Uh, verse 16. Uh, Galatians 4.16. He said, am I become you, your enemy because I tell you the truth? He's not their enemy. He's their friend. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12. He says there, he said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though The more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And so no matter the circumstance, no matter the cost, we're going to support our friend by supporting what is true, even if it means we need to offer Correction or rebuke. And I'll make this statement tonight as we look at Saul or David and Jonathan. Just because somebody calls themselves a Christian does not make them a Christian friend. In the church, and our church is not immune to this because we are people and people are people. Gossiping takes place. Backbiting takes place. People act as busybodies, and even intentionally or unintentionally sow discord among the brethren. All of those are sin. And just because a person claims to be a Christian does not make them a Christian friend. Someone who will gossip with you, talk about other people or things behind someone else's back, is not being a Christian friend. Somebody who will be a busybody, as Peter put it, and meddle in other men's business is not being a Christian friend. 
Somebody who will be a backbiter. Somebody who will sow discord among the brethren is not being a Christian friend. And by the way, we all have flesh and we are all prone to this from time to time in different circumstances and situations. But if that is a reality in your life, beloved, in love, I tell you, recognize it is sin. Repent of that sin. Confess that sin. And he will be faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Beloved, I tell you tonight, if somebody in your life is engaged in these things, you need to ask the Holy Spirit for enough grace to to, to say, no, I'm not going to allow that in my life. But praise God for the Christian friends that he gives us that are genuine, no matter the circumstance and no matter the cost. I'm going to tell you, a man or a woman who has a few of those is a rich person. So what do we see this evening? The blessings of Christian friendships. We see, number one, what? The blessing of graciousness. The undeserved kindness that we experience one with another. We see, secondly, what? The blessing of genuineness. Jonathan was the same, whether he was talking to David, whether he was talking to Saul, whether we were all partying because Goliath just got killed, or whether David was hiding in a cave or hiding in a field. Jonathan was the same. He was genuine. One more. Turn to, turn to 1 Samuel 23. 1 Samuel 23. I encourage you, read 18, read 19, read 20, 23. This whole, the whole Friendship here between Jonathan and David, such a powerful, powerful thing. First Samuel 23, beginning in verse 15. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find me, and thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next to thee, and that also Saul my father knoweth. Verse 18, And the two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. So we see a couple of things. We see, number one, the blessing of graciousness. Number two, the blessing of genuineness. And I want us to see, thirdly, the blessing of godliness. The blessing of godliness. How Jonathan came alongside David and injected godliness and the things of God into David's life. A couple of thoughts here. I want you to see how these friendships are engaging. David was running for his life. You know, Jonathan didn't wait for David to ask for help. You know, a lot of times we sit around, boy, I'd help them if they just asked. Boy, I'd love to do something if only I knew what to do. Maybe if we got up and bridged the gap, we would find what needed to be done. What happened? Jonathan didn't wait for David to ask. Jonathan engaged David where he was. Jonathan showed up and spoke to the need. 
Isaiah 53, beginning in verse number or 35, sorry, beginning in verse number 3. I love what it says here. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are, feel for, that are of a feel for, fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. What are we doing? We're moving into those situations where folks are weak and struggling and, and needing help, and we are engaging. What does friendship do? It says your problem, they're my problems and your needs are my needs. Your, your joy is my joy. Your sorrow is my sorrow. It's, it really harkens back to the theology of the body. We find in 1 Corinthians 12 that we mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice. Why? Because we are one and we can't help but engage one another. And I love how Jonathan engaged David's life with godly things. And in doing so, Jonathan didn't just engage David. He edified David. He built up David. He strengthened David. Did you notice what uh, it said there? In verse number 16, and Jonathan Saul's son arose, he went to David into the wood, and he strengthened his hand in God. What did Jonathan do? Jonathan reminded David of God's truth. And these men built one another up. They strengthened one another. They strengthened one another emotionally. They strengthened one another spiritually. They strengthened one another uh, physically. By the way, you will never go wrong pointing someone else towards God and His truth. Engage them. Edify them. Build them up. Boy, I praise the Lord for friends who impact my life with godliness, who speak God's truth into my life, who engage me, who edify me. The blessings of godly friendships, they're engaging, they're edifying. Let me give you this last one. They are enduring. You look at the friendship of Jonathan and David, and they endured distance. You know, for a vast majority of Jonathan and David's friendship, David was on the run. He was hiding in fields and hiding in caves and ducking here and there and getting away. For the vast majority of the time these two men knew each other, there was a great deal of distance between the two of them. And yet their, their friendship endured. I'll point this out as well. For the vast majority of time that these two men knew each other, there was a great deal of difficulty between them. You realize that it, 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 it wasn't just some dude in the kingdom who wanted David dead. It was Jonathan's dad. And you recognize as well that when, who, who under, under normal circumstances, when the king dies, who becomes the next king? His son. Who was therefore logically next in line to the throne? Jonathan. And so from an earthly standpoint, David was more of a threat to Jonathan than he was to Saul. And yet, did you notice Jonathan's testimony in verse number 17? He said, fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. What does he say? And thou shalt be king over Israel. Boy, what an amazing thing. For the vast majority of their friendship, there was a tremendous distance between them, yet their friendship endured. For the vast majority of their friendship, there was tremendous difficulty between them. But their friendship endured. I'll point out that eventually even death came to their friendship. 
And Jonathan was killed alongside of his father Saul in battle. And yet in spite of that, what happened? Their friendship endured. Because we see David showing kindness to Saul's descendant in Mephibosheth. You know, and this friendship survived ups and downs, the ups and downs of life, because it was built on something more than shallow interests. It was built on something more than sports or shopping or politics or, or you fill in the blank or whatever the hobby of the week is. This friendship and Christian friendships are built on trust in God and the truth of God. And by the way, our shared trust in God and our shared faith on the truth of God is bigger than any distance, is bigger than any difficulty, is bigger even than death. It's bigger. And that's why Christian friendships endure. And just because your kid bites my kid in the nursery, my kid don't have teeth yet, so... He don't leave no marks. You can't prove nothing. <laughs> Just because your kid bites my kid in the nursery, you know what? If it's a Christian friendship, it's going to endure. And just because you and I don't see eye to eye on, on this or that or, or a political candidate or such and such or this or this, I'm going to tell you, if it's a true Christian friendship, guess what it's going to do? It's going to endure. Because trust in God and the truth of God is bigger than any and all of that. Christian friendship is not some fleeting feeling. Christian friendship is the recognition that God, yes, the God that we both know and love has brought us into one another's life and has joined our lives together. That word fellowship, I kind of like that word fellowship. It, it literally means the idea of shared life. We, we often think of fellowship as just shared food, right? Uh, but fellowship, biblical fellowship, is so much more than that. In fact, fellowship was even a word used in reference to like giving and giving to one another. Why? Because it's those elements of that we are sharing life and we have these things in common. Oh, and there's a beauty to that and there is a blessing to that. We are one in Christ. One body, Amen. We are family in Christ, brothers and sisters, joint heirs. And God has brought these people into my life and God has joined my life to theirs. And Christian friendship is the recognition that these people are worth my sacrifice. Just like my God sacrificed for me. The blessing of godliness, engaged with godliness, edified with godliness, endured with godliness. I'm going to tell you there are a few things in life that are sweeter than a true Christian friend. Beloved, I want you to know tonight you weren't meant to live this life alone. You weren't meant to be isolated. You weren't meant to be on an island. I'm going to tell you the world is very confused about what friendship is. Friendship is more than general acquaintance. 
It's more than just we both click the same box on the social media site, and so now we're friends. Or we both use the same dog groomer, so now we're friends. Or we both prefer the same whatever. It's more than just general acquaintance. And by the way, I'll stop and point this out, because the world is absolutely dead wrong on this. Friendship is also more than just unqualified acceptance. Whatever you say, whatever you do, whatever you think you are, I accept you because I'm your friend. No. No, 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 no. 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 There are few things in life sweeter than a true Christian friend. I remind us, as we said at the beginning, the quality of your friends matters. Proverbs 13 and verse number 20. Read it with me, if you would, in unison. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So a couple of thoughts, and we're done tonight. If this is you in love, let let me beg of you tonight. If it's you, stop. Stop, 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 stop with the nobody is my friend pity party and find somebody and be a true Christian friend. I know that's hard when you feel alone. And I know that's hard when you feel forgotten and devalued and overlooked. But we have to stop with the nobody is my friend pity party. And if that's really how you feel, the best way to to get a friend is to do what? Be a friend. He that hath friends must what? Show himself friendly. If I might borrow a principle from the New Testament, you're going to reap what you sow. Be a friend. You will reap what you sow. Some of us tonight, we know we have true Christian friends in our lives who who bring our lives so much grace. They are genuine. They are godly. Let me tell you, if that's you tonight, maybe spend some time tonight and thank God for the blessings of the true friends that you do have. Maybe tonight, maybe they're in this room. Maybe you go put an arm around them and you pray with them and you thank God for them. Hey, church, let's just have church tonight. Amen. Let's just love on one another and pray for one another and be there for one another. Because the reality is there are two few people out there who live like true friends. So be grateful for the ones you have. And be one for somebody else. Because it's always worth it to make a difference in somebody else's life. For Jesus' name. Father, we love you.